Welcome, guys. I am excited just to press in this morning to talk about relational boundaries. Boundaries is such an exciting and fun topic because typically when I hear boundaries in relationship, it usually has some sort of pain associated with it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A little bit of disappointment, a little bit of heartache, a little like, like, how in the world did I get into this mess? Uh, I want to put a little bit of a spin on this thing this morning for you guys in relational boundaries is that potentially, yeah, we might need to tighten up some boundaries here this morning where there may be some potential uh, hurt or heartache or something where you just need to put some commitments on some boundaries. But I want to encourage you maybe even more so in the direction of expanding your relational boundaries this morning. That you guys may be living a little bit shallow in your relationships And I want to encourage you that there is probably more than you can even imagine in the relationships that God has in store for you. And so it's time to open up our sights a little bit as we move forward. So that's a little bit where we're heading this morning. So that's the picture, uh, you know, right there uh, represents a hike. If you know anything about me and my family, uh, we hike. (laughs) There's a little dude in that picture somewhere. Anybody see the kid walking around? In that picture, yeah, Grady, where are you? Is he here? He's right there. That's my son back there. And so uh, we went and hiked Quandary uh, Peak up in Summit County. And so, you know, life is, uh, you know, like a, like a journey relationally. And I want to invite you to walk with me a little bit this morning. And so there's just the joy, like any of you who have hiked these mountains, whether it's Pikes Peak or you get up beyond the west side of I-25, uh, then when you start stepping up the hill, just your perspective starts opening up beyond what may be just happening at the sidewalk of relationships. And so we're, what we really want to go for this morning is, yes, absolutely to bring some health um, and maybe tighten some things up where there may be some um, uh, heartache, if you will, and especially as we go into Thanksgiving and the holidays, <laughs> what can you do to maybe have a healthy relational holiday? Uh, but also as you're looking for, you know, 2017 and stepping into the new year, what does God have for you as you step into a new year relationally? So uh, let me tell you just the most important thing about me, and that would be uh, my faith and my family and my friendships. Uh, we hiked to the top of Pikes Peak. If I could get the next slide, that would be great. How about I just raise my right hand and that'll go to the next slide. So um, since I don't have my clicker. So we started at the bottom on the little trail with the little kid hiking, but we summited as a family to the top of Quandary Peak, which was such a joy. So if you can imagine, it's kind of Fourth of July time frame, thus the flag and my girls get excited about whatever they're wearing at the top, whatever the theme the thing is. And so this was the 4th of July theme, but being able to get to the top. My faith really launched as a young boy, seven years old, sitting on a wrought iron swing. I prayed to receive Christ in my heart uh, under the care and um, nurturing of my grandmother, and, and, and so it was a Civil War home under oak trees next to a garden that really faith became real to me. When that faith really intersected the world was when I was 14 years old at my aunt and uncle's camp. If you can imagine uh, Montana, 70,000 acre ranch, 1,600 acre camp in the middle of southeast Montana, this young man at 14 was loved in a way that I'd never been loved in my life. 
And at 14 years old, I said, I want to love people in the way that these people have loved me. And that has been a vow and a commitment that has carried me through uh, my whole life. And so my faith has been vital under that just experience of enjoying uh, relationships of people caring for me, even though uh, I was a bit of a punk. And so uh, my faith, you're looking at a man who's just lived on the edge of what do you want from me, God, all of these years. And so that's who I am, mostly because I had a few people who loved me well. Relationships is the core of how God has worked um, between uh, this relationship, but also a few others. And so for the most important relationships in my life, it's my wife, Carrie, who's in the back, that will be celebrating 23 years of marriage in January. So... Thank you very much. Um, she is my best friend and sojourner and uh, love of my life. So my daughter Ellie is 18. She's at UNC Greeley. Uh, Bethany is 16. She's over here at Discovery Canyon Campus. And Grady, our little Russian dude in the back, we brought him home from Russia when he was on his first birthday. So um, that's our crew. And then my friendships really... Um, It's friendships in the context of those that I share life with and appear, but I would also put in terms of friendships of even mentors, uh, guys and gals who've walked alongside me, investing into me, and thus my heart has been so filled up with people who have deposited into me that I almost can't help myself where I want to go and, and, and extend that same blessing into other people. So I have young friends that are in my life, and that is such a joy, so... Um, if you were to look at the health of your friendships, um, uh, how would you rate where you're at? Joy, satisfaction, uh, or yet a longing for something more? Uh, as I started with, I want to encourage you that there is more, but it might take a little bit of work. Let's do a quick sound bite. Next slide. Um, for uh, how many of you are here today, this morning? looking, longing for more meaningful relationships. Can I see a show of hands? Um, I think we all hold that in common, don't we? Uh, How many of you want more than just superficial or artificial or just virtual relationships? Amen. Uh, We could do a whole retreat on this, right? (laughs) Um, And for you, uh, the real question on the table this morning is what's keeping you from going there? What's keeping you from going there? And I, I want to I step into this thing, and, and I want to have you turn on your brain a little bit, activate some thinking, activate what can I be doing, that I'm not just sitting here waiting through osmosis to get these relationships, that, I, that I'm going to leave here out these doors today kind of geared up, and, I, and, I want, and there's something that I can do and take some responsibility in your relationships. And so I want to just warm you up to that, that... Uh, Here we go. So uh, maybe you've heard this. Just ask the question. Some of it's cliche. There may be a couple of you that this is new information. I just want to ground out this this morning is um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, Are we all dialed in with that? Um, How many of you today is your future bright because of your friendships? (laughs) How many need a reset on 
where your friendships are that give you some indication of what your future is. <laughs> for sure. Now, this one's a little bit more sticky for me because I can do a quick pulse check and circle up my five closest friends and say, hmm. Here's the sum, the median, the average, whatever that is, but I can literally look around the table of my five closest friends and say, I am the average of them, and is that really uh, what I hoped, uh, where I would be at in life relationally? Uh, That doesn't mean you need to leave here and go blow up relationships. (laughs) That doesn't mean you could go tell them to go hang, (laughs) but it's just a... A quick assessment of where am I and what, what needs to begin uh, changing. And so there we enter in this discussion of boundaries. So let me just take a second to just uh, point you to the book that's on the table before you. Uh, the Conversationalist. Um, that uh, book, why I wrote that book, was to help each of you engage in your most important relationships. This, this is really a guidebook for those of you who are on the edge of, I think there's something more, I think there's people out there, I'm not really sure how to get after it, and, but I, I basically want to take the sum of everything that I've learned and observed about very dysfunctional relationships to high-functioning, high-performing, high-encouragement relationships and give you everything that God's given to me wrapped up in a book that I believe is the secret sauce and the simple thing that if you take a few of these ideas and put them to work at lunch today, you'll begin seeing a shift in the landscape of your relationships. And so, um, so with that, th- this really begins to anchor the true inspiration behind this book. Uh, the biblical inspiration that comes from uh, Hebrews 10.24. And it says, let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Uh, if you've been around church for any period of time, this is maybe very familiar language for you. For some of you, maybe for the first time, wow, this is an interesting verse or idea. But so I, I really enjoy love and good deeds. I, I enjoy looking around the world. I enjoy seeing what God's doing. I love Mary's home. I love Dream Centers. I love, I love love and good deeds because it feels good. You can see impact, and it's great. Well, how does that thing happen? There's a spurring on. And I, I particularly love spurring people on. There's a fire in my belly that usually when I step alongside somebody that I am an encourager. Uh, any surprise there? And if you know anything about encouragers, genuine encouragers, there's a little bit of exhortation, which usually means my motivation style is something that looks like that. <laughs> encouragement and exhortation that means spurring on. Does that feel good? Just ask my son. He would say no. But that spurring on is what actually gets us moving, right? So even in relationships, it may not always feel great, but it spurs us on. All this stuff I've been wrestling with and thinking on and meditating and memorizing all of my life, but all of a sudden it hit me right here of these words. Let us consider. How does all this love and good deeds get done? How does the spurring get done? It actually is to take time to consider what's happening 
in somebody else's world. Wait a second, I've got to shut up for a minute and, and be less interested in what I'm saying, but rather what I'm asking and listening of what's happening? To let us consider it means that, you, that it's not going to be through some conference or some, some inspirational talk or some retreat or some whatever. It's actually taking time to get below the surface into the heart of ultimately what I'll say is considerable for that person. What's considerable for each of you here today is not some blanket idea or some charge, let's go take the hill. That may be motivational, but it may not be sustainable for a long time. What's considerable for each of you is something that is worth mining after relationally to ask questions to discover what's the most important thing about you. If there is a verse on my life, a theme verse of something that really reflects kind of my, you know, the way I operate, it comes from Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says this, that the purposes of the man's heart is deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. The fullness of who you are, the purposes that are inside of you, are never ever going to be fully realized in isolation. It must be through a relational engagement that you will see your God-given destiny and purposes fully realized. And when you're living isolated, hiding behind virtual screens, or just common everyday things, we, we miss out on the very best of what God's put inside of you. So what does it look like for you to be around a person of understanding that draws out the depths of you? And let me take it one step further. What does it mean for you to be a person of understanding to draw out the very depths of the people that you call friends and family today? See, it isn't just one-sided, is it? There's a flip side to this that the very thing I long for in relationships may be required of me to be the person of understanding first to draw out what's sitting there. And when I do, to really sit and listen and engage, to understand, to consider what is the most important thing about them, that actually in that process there's a spurring on. And the very love and good deeds that I'm drawing out, I end up becoming encouraged and motivated and moved by. Are you guys tracking with me? So it's two sides of one coin, and this is where this thing really hits the magic. So where this thing really got practical for me as I was unpacking this thing, as I was beginning the process of writing this book, what are the questions that I'm asking? And so... The next slide there would, would show you what I would propose as seven life-changing questions. That if you actually have the courage and invest the time and energy that these questions propose life-changing implications. Well, Russell, that's kind of bold, isn't it? Don't worry, you don't have to write it down because it's in the book that I gave you. <laughs> 
But let me give you just a little hint on what's behind these questions is that if you begin in the context of trusted, meaningful, authentic relationships to press into what is the passion on my life, what is the difference that I hope to make, that the more you mine and press in and unlock and discover and all of a sudden something becomes to get clear in your mind as you walk through this process that you suddenly realize there's a gap that what's on my heart and a desire to go do is a little different than what maybe I'm at today. And oh my goodness, what am I going to do and what help do I need to start stepping into this? Maybe you have an experience that maybe you know it could be a family mother, member, a, mo- a mother, a father, an uncle, somebody that's a little further along that has experienced the effects of doing something for a really long time, but maybe in not quite the right way, and life gets complicated and busy, and next thing you know, you see it in their eyes, and it's called burnout. So the question of strength, what energizes your life, is critical. Because, yes, you can have all the passion in the world, but here's a little hint on something. It doesn't matter how missional or how dream-oriented, or how passionate you are, if you're not operating in the way that God has designed and made you to be, mission does not sustain you for a long time. That is a really, really big idea. If you don't believe me, just look around the landscape of the churches in the United States of pastors who have gone like this. Because they're doing something that may be really important, but they're doing it in maybe a way that's not aligned with who God has made them to be. These are really important questions. So these questions are ones that you would engage in the context of some trusted relationships. So, uh-oh, as soon as I got into these questions, I discovered something. This would be the next slide. This is the outline of the conversationalist. And as I got into these questions and say, hey, if you just go do these questions, something will happen. Well, we all know what it feels like to sit down with somebody and suddenly there is this disconnect. Like, we just met, but I'm not really sure what happened. Maybe they just don't get me. Anybody ever had that? If If you don't have the heart to be able to have a meaningful connection You can ask all the questions in the world, and it just goes like this. So we've got to nurture the heart, and so that's really the beginning of the book. If you develop the heart and the ability to connect with people and then ask the questions, then that leads us to the third area of the disciplines. So the way I'd phrase it is this way. The next slide would be, if you don't have the heart, it limits your capacity. If you don't have the questions, then it limits your access to what's considerable. And then you could be the most heartfelt, empathetic person in the world that has the most brilliant questions. But let me break it to you. If you don't schedule the meeting, you're locked in your own relational closet. That in order to have engagement, there has to be some disciplines, which means you have to pull out your phone and say, hey, love to have lunch with you this week. And it's the flow of all three of those. So for you today, the question is, what help do you need? 
Do you need the spurring on in the disciplines? Do you need the questions? Or do you need to develop a heart capacity so that when you're with somebody, you're actually really connecting with them? So today, I want to just ask you, who are in your circles? And who are in your circles is, could be broke down in, um, in the landscape of your relationships, which is like the map. And I'll, and I'll put it in three different ways. And so these three are in marriage and family. Basically, what, who needs attention in your life? You're stepping into the holidays, so you can have some fun with that. It could be in mentors or friendships, and they flow within the same family. Or if you're in the work context and you've got some people that are driving you crazy, that it could be in leadership and team. So for today, boundaries, let me just give you a couple of ideas to think about uh, in terms of boundaries. And, and this one, maybe um, it's a bit cliche, but it is a fact. And as you walk into some family dynamics, you can see this. Hurt people hurt people. Let's say it together. Hurt people hurt people. And th- this is so plainly s- stated But if you're walking into a relationship hurt, you're likely to hurt that person whether you want it to or not. And for you to have a nose for before you step into uh, a family engagement or a lunch or whatever, if that person is hurting, then the, 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 the possibility is high that you would be hurt as well. And so uh, sometimes we just need a fresh perspective on what's happening in our relationships. And so what are some things that you can do to minimize some of the hurt and make sure that it doesn't continue this cycle of repeating itself? Now, why do we have dysfunctional relationships? It's because we don't know how to end the dysfunction. And people have this tendency because of the families that they're in and the friendships that they feel stuck in, that they feel like they're in this cycle and this trap. And it's like, there's no hope and I can't get out of this. And let me encourage you that there is. And one of the greatest ways that you can begin the process of moving from hurtful or dysfunctional relationships is moving into healthy relationships. Now, you can get there through counseling, you can get there through pastoral care, you can get there through a lot of ways, but the end of it is moving from hurtful relationships to healthy relationships. So for you, it's just a quick, where are my healthy relationships, where are my hurtful, and how can I start moving in that direction? So it's looking around saying, who are the healthy people in my life that I need to be spending some more time. And I hate to break it all the way down to kind of a math equation, but you can literally make the list of the most important people and the people you spend the most time with and literally put them on a scale. How would you rate them hurting or healthy? And that'll probably give you an indication on how well you're doing in your relationship. It's time to take stock of where your relationship. It doesn't mean that you can't offer love and grace and forgiveness, but if it's all hurting, then the likelihood is you're not engaging in healthy relationships. And so there has to be a balance in there somewhere, right? So, time to take stock of where you're at. Let me give you a couple of things. Just, I mean, I can't get any more practical than this. And, and you guys can chew on this and go deep if you want. You'll see some language in this next slide of what can you do? Let's make it real. 
knowing your agenda. If you were to boil down this entire book into maybe uh, an observation that I've seen, is that people enter into relationships uh, with an agenda. And that agenda, in summary, is I'm entering into this to either serve or be served. And I hate to be so plain about it, but I tell you what, that is the line of ultimately hurting and healthy relationships. Do you enter into your relationships to serve them or to be served? And man, that right there will help you put a grid on what the agenda is. And that, if you're sitting here today experiencing certain levels of heartache and disappointment, I want to just have you stop for a second and just say, what's your agenda in the relationship? And another way of saying is, what is your need? What is your need that you're coming into that relationship with an expectation of it being met, and that relationship was never designed to meet you in that place? Now, ultimately, we could go all the way to a spiritual dynamic that ultimately my evaluation of what I need is going to be met through my Heavenly Father, but at times that God will use people in that way to meet you in that. But again, if you enter into that time with an expectation, even as soon as Thanksgiving, of somebody meeting your needs to be served, rather than you serving, it's a setup for disappointment. Clear expectations. This has almost become a bit of a, not a game, but it's a little bit of a challenge. That your discipline of communication, of setting expectation, uh, can make a world of difference. Like you're getting together for lunch with somebody and say, we're just going to hang out. Great. What are we going to do when we hang out? What do you want to talk about? I tell you what, if you just, just trust me on this, put in a text, looking forward to seeing you. I want to hear about this. I want to learn about that. I want to ask you about this. Stick that in a text before you show up and watch what happens to the meaningfulness of your time when you're together. Now let me break this down like empirical data. When I was in seminary 10 years ago, did a survey on the generation gap of mentoring within the church. 800 people responded to the survey. It was fascinating. Ask the question, when you enter into a mentoring relationship, do you expect it to be formal or informal? The response came back with exactly, out of 800 people, 50% expected formal relationship, 50% expected informal relationship. Imagine the young buck coming in, hanging out with the old one, saying, I want some formality to our time. And the other one's just like, hey, let's hang out. And next thing you know, you go like this, and now you've got disappointment in relationship just because you had different expectations. A little simple communication gives you a quick grounding on what your expectation is for your time, even hanging out. I got together with a couple of guys here at the front table, and I sent them a, a three-question expectation text before barbecue. 
What are you learning in the Word? What's the biggest thing you've learned in 2016? And what's the biggest question you're asking right now? The problem with that text is we only got through the first question. But at least it sets an anticipation for where we might go. The discipline of setting expectations and good communication will do wonders for your relationship. And then finally, inviting permission. This one's loaded, and if you want to dive in deeper with it, um, you know, the book has got a lot of language on this. But in terms of building trust in relationships, inviting permission uh, has a host of implications. But a lot of times, questions pose a risk to somebody. Risk that you don't get me, a risk of misunderstanding, a risk of pushing too far, too fast in a relationship beyond what somebody is there. Creating some ground rules for permission, such as something you'll see if you read the book, that oftentimes I will sit down with somebody who looks a little nervous in relationships, and I simply say, you can ask me anything you want. My life is an open book. And all of a sudden, they just go, Versus not sure what's off boundaries, what's, you know, what, what, you know, what's taboo, I, you can't... Boy, setting permission and expectations around that will do wonders in your relationship. This applies absolutely in terms of accountability. Permission and accountability, or some would say responsibility relationships, needs to be ongoing and given just because you... Committed in January, all of a sudden something happens in March, and you're like, Where are we? Permission needs to be continually given to continue nurturing trust relationships. And it's easy to take for granted the permission that you've been given because all of a sudden I think we all know what it feels like to cross the line, and they go, Whoa, you've crossed the line and because we took some assumptions about the permission. If you want to have healthy boundaries in relationship, just put these three ideas to work. And I think it will encourage you. So, so let me encourage you to expand your boundaries of, um, to let us consider. And what are some ways that you can consider others uh, before you even see them? And I think that literally, whether it's just over some coffee time or journal time or even just hanging out with some buddies to begin brainstorming, what does that even look like in terms of what questions should I be asking, what things should we, we could be doing to help spur them on. Maybe something that was said last time we were together and you reflect on that and bring that forward again, but literally it, it is in your um, just taking the time to consider, and all of a sudden, you're going to see something radically change in your relationships. So another thing I just want to bring into some grounding this morning and this idea of models. Um, we know this, but you can't read a book to really figure this out. You can maybe watch it on TV and go, well, that's interesting. But the fact is, when we're in this realm, this is more caught than taught. And so, I, just like I've asked you to evaluate where you are in your relationships and friendships, I want to ask you, 
who have you learned how to do relationships from? Who are the models that are in your life that literally you find yourself almost mimicking their attitudes, their mannerisms, the questions they ask, and what's good about that, and what is something that um, maybe you need to stop. And so, um, like we see in a Paul-Timothy relationship, or in, in Paul's case, talking to the Philippians, that in this wonderful language and passages of Philippians 4, that um, whatever you've learned from me, or whatever you've received and heard from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What are you practicing what's being modeled for you, and who is that coming from? I asked the question of a young man this week who really stumbled over the phone when I asked, who are the heroes and models in your life? And he's in a place where he's a bit disillusioned right now. And he really struggled to come up with some answers. Uh, So I would encourage you just to look at that and take stock of who are the people that are really modeling well for you. In terms of the conversationalist, uh, it's a principle, it's an observation, but here's something that is a really big idea that um, if When you talk about friendships and the study of friendships and what does this really look like, um, it's we're spending time considering what's most important to the people that we care about in life. That I want to propose to you a foundation for life-defining friendships. You want to have relationships for a long time? You want to have relationships for the rest of your life? That uh, this is where it gets done. It's moving from private whispers to public declarations and staying with your friends through those moments. Jesus talks about what is whispered in the dark speak to the daylight. What is, in the, what is whispered in the corners shout it from the rooftops. But this is something that I've observed over a long time, that as you spend time with the Lord and you're reflective, especially during these early days of your life, there are things that are being marked on your life that you are, are just almost marinating and growing and developing into. That this is a season of your time in life where there are these private whispers that are spoken in quiet moments that one day, let me, let me encourage you, It will become public declarations that will literally transform the world. And that's not hype. That's not super motivational. That is just a fact of the kingdom of God. That what God whispers to you, that with relationships and people speaking encouragement and walking with you, they will become public declarations that God will use to transform this world, and fill the kingdom of God. That's how it works. And if you're willing to stay with your friends through the messy middle, walking through the seasons of uncertainty and messiness and growing pains, that that becomes the foundation for true life-defining friendships. Will you stay the course with your friends in the messy middle? So, so for today, um, 
we're, time has gotten away from us. So um, a couple of the questions that I wanted to pose to you guys, you can move to the next slide, would be great. Uh, these are questions that um, I think it would be worthy to start today and maybe continue on um, and uh, Josh will have to give us some guidance on what time we have available. But um, again, who has modeled conversations for you that you follow their example? Um, how do you need to limit, hurt, and expand healthy relationships in your life? And maybe most practically and most importantly today is a moment of maybe transparency and sincerity for you is what help do you need? Really? How many of us need encouragement today? I sure do. What help do you need to minimize hurt and bring health in your relationship? And that's really the question. So let it start today and continue uh, beyond this time, and that would be great. So, Awesome, guys. How was the conversation? Let me encourage you that it will keep going. Um, let me give you a couple of final thoughts before we wrap up, um, and even a challenge, if you will. So, um, one of the one of the charges that I would give you is, um, and maybe even an observation, if you would, for a moment. Uh, we don't ask the questions we haven't taken the time to invest in our own answers. We say it again, we do not ask the questions often when we haven't taken the time to invest in our own answers. The life questions that I've proposed here, I would challenge you to take one of those seven life questions that are in the book. And over, the, over this reflective kind of year-end season, I'd really love for you to wrestle one of those life questions to the ground And let me just encourage you that as you do, you will probably invite some discovery and discussions with some of the most important friendships. But there is a warning label that uh, something's probably going to change for you if you do. (laughs) On a practical note, my publisher loves to tell me that the most important thing, or most practical thing, is on page 248 in this book. And I've given you 50 conversationalist questions that these 50 questions uh, may be what gets you going. Where, where do I even begin in relationships? My charge for you today is out of these 50 questions, pick five questions and begin practicing. Go to work tomorrow or school or in real, some of your key friendships and ask one of these 50 questions. Write down the question, who you're going to talk to about, when, and then who is somebody that you can kind of report back with on your learnings. And let me take it a step further and say, of the 50 questions as you read through that, which of those questions have you never asked somebody before? And take a risk and see what happens. But pressing in and using one of these questions will begin getting you moving forward. And so I want you to leave here today with sort of a practical, what can you do? And this is the best that I can give you in terms of 
put the questions to work and watch and see what happens in the landscape of your relationships. Um, relationships are a really big deal. We can't take the U-Haul to heaven. All the stuff you accumulate, such as uh, what you may be even working on and your A's and B's or whatever your promotion is at work, um, isn't so much what you're going to take to heaven. What you take to heaven is relationships. What are you doing to invest in those relationships? Paul writes to Romans in chapter 1, verse 11, and says, I long to see you so that I can impart to you a spiritual gift to make you strong, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Who are the relationships in your life that you long to see? What is the gift of God that He's put inside of you that you want to impart by God's grace? And that through that, the very encouragement that you long for is something that you will find in giving of the gift. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. My encouragement to you, if you long for relationships to change in your life, it's not by what you're going to receive before what you're going to go give and invest in those relationships. And in the end, you will find you'll receive what you long for. I want to encourage you today just to press into this. Let me just pray for you in your relationship as we close. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you model ultimately uh, the relationships that we all long for. Relationships with you, God, and relationships with a few to go deep. And so I just pray that today that you would spiritually impart courage, that each person here today would be full of heart and ready to go spurred on towards love and good deeds. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless each person here with favored friendships uh, that may be even birthed here this morning and throughout this holiday season. We thank you on this Thanksgiving week for everything you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.